morning, church. So good to be with you. My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here and um, if you're returning and this is home, we want to welcome you. We're glad you're here for those watching online as well. And um, thank you, Pastor Paul, for letting us know uh, that we want you to check in with us. So again, if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you because I have another step I'd like you to take today with your phone. So if everyone could just pull out your cell phone today. And um, man, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to utilize your phone, there's a great app there that you can download, a Bible app, and you could follow along with us and even take notes inside of it. But pull out your phone, everyone, today. Um, I want you to take an extra step. First, if, as you're taking out your phone, if you've not yet checked in, uh, then would you just do that? We'll throw up the slide real quick. Let us know by texting here or new, depending if you're, uh, this is home or if you're new to Evangel, to 908 325-5163. So go ahead and do that really quick because uh, I know that maybe you didn't do it whenever you first heard about it, but now that you have your phone in front of you, just text one of those and let us know that you're here. Again, we're not going to try to sell you knives uh, or call you or do anything crazy. It's really almost like with your children. You know, every time your children walk through our doors, we have a way of knowing they're here. And I think that that's great because then we can stay connected. Um, but we never quite know who's here in this context. And so I said in our first service, uh, I'd love to ask this question. How many of you have been coming to Evangel for more than 20 years? Let me see your hands. Anyone? All right, you might remember this. There used to be something here at Evangel called Who's Who in the Pew. So basically a book that they passed down the pew and everyone got to like kind of let, let us know that they're here. And then um, I was thinking about that and saying, how can we know who's here now that we've grown a little bit over the years and what can that look like? And then the word of the Lord came, have them text message it. It wasn't really the Lord. It was just a good idea, I think. Um, but instantly, in seconds, you can let us know that you're here. And that's all that we'd like uh, to do. And so just please check in. Let us know that you're here. Let us know that you're new. We'd love to connect with you either way. And uh, we also want to pray for you by name. And as you check in, we'll be able to capture your name and know that uh, you're here and we can lift you up before the Lord. Also, we're kicking off a series today called Rooted. And we're walking through the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit that are listed in Galatians chapter 5. And it's going to be nine weeks long, and I know that the Lord's going to challenge us and grow us. This week has been one where I've just sensed as I've been studying for the message, the Lord has been helping me to see differently and grow in different ways, and it's been amazing. Um, but we want to help you take this journey every single day. And so as a part of the Rooted series, as you still have your phone out in front of you, um, we want to be able to send you in your email daily devotionals uh, that are going to go along with each of the themes that we talk about on Sunday. So today we're going to talk about being rooted in love, and then tomorrow, uh, through the end of the week, you'll be receiving daily a devotional that helps you go deeper um, into that topic of love and how to be rooted in Christ's love. So if you want to be a part of that, just text the word rooted, R-O-O-T-E-D, to the same phone number that you've already texted. And uh, what we'll do is that'll sign you up for that email list. We won't be texting those devotions out. We'll just be emailing them. And, um, and if you've given us your information in the past and we have your cell phone number on record, when you text today, it shows up as your name in our system. If you uh, have never given us or we don't have that on file, we might need to shoot you a text later today saying, hey, we don't recognize your number. Can you just let us know your name and email so we can keep you uh, informed of this and send you those devotionals? So text rooted, that'll get you signed up for that. Can I tell you one other thing before we get into God's word, church? All right, I'm going to tell you whoever just said that. The rest of you just close your ears. On Easter Sunday, I shared with you um, in the midst of the message an incredible 
discovery that was made back in 1947 called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You remember that from the Easter message and how we found the scroll of Isaiah and these fragments? Uh, Pastor Bobby just shared with me over the weekend that there is a movie that's just being released that's going to be in theaters called Fragments of Truth. And it's all about that story of what happened. And so uh, Pastor Bobby is going to be leading a group, if anyone wants to go, on April 24th. It's a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the uh, cinemas out in New Brunswick. Uh, but man, I thought just following up on the Easter message, if that's something that interests you and you want to learn more about it, you want to have a nice night at the movies and then maybe a discussion afterwards or in some other venue, um, you can stop out in the foyer today. You can get signed up. We'd love for you to... Uh, to let us know, and then they could buy a big block of tickets and, and have a great night at the movies together. Also, keep your ears open because along these lines of ancient documents and ancient scriptures, we have an event coming up that's going to be on a Sunday night um, on May 20th, and I'm not even going to tell you fully about it yet because I want to get into the message, but uh, be here next week, and I'm going to share it with you. It's something we've never been able to do before. It's going to be amazing, and uh, it'll help you kind of learn more about the, the just incredible history of God's Word, and you don't want to miss out on it, so just keep that in the back of your head. May 20th, you don't want to miss out. All right, let's open to God's word this morning. And we're walking through each of these attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And this week, um, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this word and that the Lord would allow us to hear it. And as I've been praying, I, I've been praying a passage of Scripture over you and over myself. And I want to pray that passage of Scripture over you. I think it's important to pray the word of God over our lives and, um, and when we do that, we're just praying God's words back to him. And so I'm going to pray this over you. And this is all originally written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesians. And it's in chapter 3. And it's there that Paul's actually praying. So I'm praying a prayer that Paul said for that body of believers. And now it's the word of God to us. And I just pray this over you. So would you just uh, receive this today as we go before the Lord? This is my prayer of what God will accomplish in our hearts beginning today. So here's what it says, for this reason, I bow and kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh, Lord, come and accomplish this word in every heart and in every life. Lord, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. And as I'm thinking about Paul praying that prayer, it was 2,000 years ago over a group of believers that he loved and a church that he had founded and seen growing up and following Jesus. There was something there in that prayer that Paul was pleading heaven for. As he saw them and he saw the amazing things that were happening, he said, you got to get this. you got to be rooted in the love of Christ. you got to have this love growing in you and through you. See, for Paul, as he understood and was a firsthand a witness of God's incredible love and mercy, Paul was an enemy of God. He was an enemy. He was separated from God. He was persecuting Christians. And then God turned him around and he saw the incredible love of Jesus, the incredible mercy of Jesus. How many of you know, man, you don't know where you'd be if it weren't for the love of God rescuing your life, saving you. God's been so gracious to us. 
man, his love has changed my life from the inside out. This love reshaped Paul's life. It changed everything. And what he saw about this love is that love, when we look at it in the, in the list of fruit of the Spirit, we see that it's the first one. It's the most preeminent above the others. He said, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. So we, we see love there at, the, at, the, at this front place. But I don't know if you know this. Love is also a gift that God has given to us. So it's a gift and it's a fruit. And you see that when Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, he says you can have all these gifts, but the greatest is love. And so we see it here just as preeminent. It's like love. we got to know the love of God. If we miss that, we miss everything. If we miss out on it, we miss everything. And so Paul really wants to make sure that this body of believers, this church that he's writing to, that they get it. They don't miss it. That it won't just be a flash in the pan. It won't just be an emotional reaction. But they'll be rooted and established in that love. That it will grow so deep in them. That it will take root in them. It will change them from the inside out. Because there was a danger that if they missed it, they were going to miss out on the fullness of what God had for them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for some of what God has for me. I want everything that he has for me. I want, if he has it, I want it. I want to know what that is. I don't want what he has for you for me. I want what he has for me. He has something for me and for you. I want the fullness of it. And so this is what Paul's praying. Now I think about this. And as Paul's praying, he could have went through his own Rolodex. I don't think they had Rolodexes back then. Some of you here, you were, you were born after 1990. You're like, what's a Rolodex? I didn't really know what it was either. Um, but you, you look through it, it's kind of a bunch of names and numbers. And as he's going through his mind and thinking, who who could I point this church to? Who could I introduce them to that, man, they really get this. They really understand it. Their, their life kind of is an example of this. I think you can go through the lists of the original followers of Jesus, those that really walked with him. You can start to go through that and say, man, does any, did any of them, do they know what this is all about, the love of God? And I think that he would land on one person. Not that Jesus didn't love many of them, but we know that there was a certain section that he even set apart. And of them, one of them wrote one of the Gospels. And as he wrote, he shared everyone else's name, but he didn't actually ever use his own name in his own Gospel. Instead, he called himself by a title. And here's what he said, And the disciple whom Jesus loved. His name's John. When I think about John, I think about someone who experienced the love of Jesus firsthand. He had a special relationship with the Lord. He was close to him. He was a part of that kind of inner circle that the Lord had. And it was there that he's there at the foot of the cross, kind of consoling Jesus' mother. We see there that the Lord had just kind of set him apart. He experienced the love of God in a special way. And that idea is woven through any letter that he wrote and sent and shared among the churches in that day. And we actually have those recorded in our scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles with me. We're going to look in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, we see the Apostle John writing, and he's sharing insight on the love of God and the love of Christ that even surpasses our understanding. We're going to take today um, and just receive from what God wants to say to us from this passage of Scripture. I'd encourage you, if you're taking notes today, to, to look back over this passage, uh, write it down, and uh, continue to meditate on it throughout the week. But let's read together these verses where John's really talking about what it means to experience and live in this love. Here's what he says. Dear friends, or beloved, it might be in your translation, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, um, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. For in this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out or casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love his brother or sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they cannot see. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Lord, open this word to us today. Help us to see it like we've never seen it before. In Jesus' name, amen. So did you see a common word that was being repeated a few times within what I read? Come on, let's say it together. What word is that? Love. This is all about love. How much do you know about love? I, know, I think that we can take our cues from a lot of what we see. I think love gets a day on the calendar, Valentine's Day, right? That's all about love. Man, it's a, it's a theme and, and genre of many kinds of movies. Some of you, man, you just get sucked in by a, a romantic comedy that can just kind of, you see that love and then fall in love in the end and you just, you know, it does something for you. Some of you, you've memorized those lyrics to your favorite songs and at the root of those songs, it's a love song. It's a love story. I mean, we, we think we can know love and here's what I want to challenge you with today. That I believe every type of love that we think we might know in this world is an incomplete and imperfect love compared to the love that God's talking about in his word. I want you to know all of it, it's, it's kind of copies of that love. It's, it has attributes of that love, but the fullness, the completeness of that love is only found in Jesus. And we can think that we know love because we're taking all of our cues from what love is by how the world defines love. And I want to talk to you today. I want to challenge you today because some of you, man, your idea of love is really not as much built on the definitions of, from the word of God as it is on your favorite lyrics to your favorite songs, right? Some of you today, uh, you know, and, and parents are going to be like, yes, amen, I know this. I've been telling them to quit listening to that music. You know what I'm saying? But I want you to know it was no better in your day. It was just as bad. Some of you, man, you, you, you gave up the gospel of John for the gospel of John Lennon. Are you with me? 
Others of you today, man, you've given up the gospel of John for the gospel of John legend. You know, like you, you, you get all that from there and it can make us feel a great way. But I want you to know, oftentimes it's so contrary to what God's word teaches us about what love truly is. Because I want you to know something, man. People have probably said, some of you in this room, in a room this size, you've done things. And it's been, and you've compromised yourself because someone said that they loved you and you realized that that was a selfish love. They were taking something from you and there really wasn't a love like God talks about there behind it. So as we think we've known love, but we've experienced abuse and someone said, I'm doing this because I love you. No, 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 no. That's not that love. Are you with me today, church? There are so many counterfeit ideas behind this. And just because it has a little sliver of it, we can say, oh, that's love. This must be the same love God's talking about. No, no, no. God's love is beyond or even our knowledge. But that's what I want us to grasp. And I want you to understand that because as we go forward, we really need to, if you can't get this one uh, understanding, you might miss out on the fullness of what God's going to do in this series. Is that we're going to see these words that get thrown around all the time. Love, joy, peace. And I want you to know the world has all kinds of pictures of what peace is. Uh, The world has all kinds of ideas of what will give you joy and what joy really is or what love really is. And I want you to know those are all accurate definitions for different things. But the fullness of it, the unique love and joy and peace that God's talking about in his word is different than all of them. Can I just illustrate that for you for just a moment? You see, a couple months ago, um, you know, my wife and I, we... We love to cook, and we love to try cooking new things. And when I say my wife and I, I mean me. I like to. She likes to try it out after I, after I make it. Um, and so I, I've grown up. My dad's a, a cook, and my mom, you know, she has a lot of recipes. So I've cooked a lot of those things over and over again. Now I've stretched out into areas that I really know nothing about, and I'm just curious about. So I'll eat something like Mongolian beef, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to figure out how to make that. Or Korean barbecue, and I'll say, all right, let me figure out. Can I, can I really replicate this? And so one of them uh, had to do with a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of different ingredients that I didn't have in my house. So I had to go shopping, and I wanted to make this certain recipe. And I go through the list, and I found everything. And then it said, you need one Asian pear. And I'm like, what in the world is an Asian pear? And if you know me, you know that the fruits and the vegetables are I'm not subject matter experts in many of these things. I know what a pear is. Um, but, I, I, you know, I thought, well, I'm guessing any pear will do. So I just grabbed a pear. And it didn't taste the same. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? I put whatever that pear was in the, in, the, in, the, in the recipe was kind of compromised. It definitely didn't taste the way that it was supposed to. And so I tried again and I went to the store and said, this time I'm finding that Asian pear. I'm going to find it. Uh, if it's the last thing that I do and I go to Wegmans, I'm thinking they have such a huge selection. I walk up and I'm like taken aback by how many pears there are. Do you know how many pears there are? There are pears with all these different names and, and they're so confusing. So I got really confused and overwhelmed trying to Google them and I just left. I said, maybe one of these are the Asian pear that I'm so desperately looking for. I left. I didn't find it. Well, finally, this week, I found the long, elusive Asian pear. This is it. My opening bid, if you would like it, is $1,000. So I found that. But man, there are so many different types of pears. And I started to understand that this pear only grows in one place in the world. There's only one type of climate. There's only one type of place that's going to give me a pear that tastes just like this. And, well, what's the difference between this pear and this pear? Well, no, this pear grows in a different place. And when you taste them, there's different tastes. There's different nuances. There's different substance to it. And you start to realize it's because of what's going on beneath the surface and the climate and all the attributes are there to make this pear this. And that's why they don't just grow it somewhere here in the United States. It's being shipped from another part of the world. And then it comes to this Asian pear. 
the elements have to be just right for this to be produced. And you can have this and you can say, is it a pair? Yes, it's a pair, but it's not that pair. So why are you saying this, pastor? Because I want you to know the world is growing love in all different kinds of places. But the love that God's word talks about, this perfect love, it can only be born from heaven and it can only grow in the heart of a life that has been surrendered to Jesus Christ and is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only place that it can grow. So when we talk about this kind of love, I'm not talking about things that are going on out there. I'm talking about what is born out of your life because you belong to Jesus. Now this love grows in you. Amen? And you may have thought you had a love, but I want you to know it pales in comparison to the real thing. So let's taste and see the goodness of God together today. Let's understand this a bit more as we take this journey together. I believe I gave you a lot of verses to read, and I hope you'll meditate on these. You could spend weeks just reading through this passage and understanding the depths of what God is pointing to about his love. But I want to give you four things from 1 John chapter 4. It had to be four because it's the fourth chapter of 1 John, um, not three. So i got four things for you today. Are you with me? About, his, about this love, about the love that comes from God. First is, we must receive this love. This is a love that has been given as a gift to us and is something that you and I must receive it to experience it. It's not enough to just know about it, but we get to know it really intimately whenever we've received this love. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not that we love God. This isn't the love we're talking about. It's that the incredible love that God has for us has come into our lives because it's the love that sent Jesus into the world. Well, in John chapter 3, verse 16, this is how uh, we've come to hear it and heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Can I just replace one word there for you? Let's read it one more time. I'll replace one word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but receive eternal life. See, it's through believing in Jesus Christ, putting our faith in him that we can receive the love of God that ushers us into eternal life of heaven and hope in the future that overcame the grave for us. This is a love that we, you and I have to receive. It's a gift that comes from God into our lives that we cannot earn, that we cannot love God enough that he would then give it to us. Here's the thing. Jesus died before we ever chose to love God. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for you and me. Do you know that? That means that, that it's not about my love earning his love. It's about his love making a way for me now to receive it and love him back. He gave that sacrifice before we could ever give him anything back. So this is a love that we have to receive from God. If Today, if you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, this is the moment to do that. That when you know this love exists and that this love is for you, you may have been chasing after love and tasting every other kind of it. And man, it's always left you unsatisfied. It's because there's a perfect love. There's a perfect love that can overcome every deficit in your life. There's a perfect love that can forgive every sin you've ever committed. There's a perfect love that can receive you just as you are. There's a perfect love that can cancel out every word that's ever been spoken against you. There's a perfect love, and it comes from God, and his name is Jesus. He is love, and he comes down to save and to rescue and to give us a hope and a future, and I hope you've received that love. But once you receive it, 
It's not enough just to have that momentary moment. And some of you, you have received it. But the next thing we must do, and this passage teaches us, and the Word of God as a whole teaches us, we must remain in this love. We can't just have it and taste it for once and then throw it aside. We must live now every day connected to that love, remaining in that love. Jesus said last week, if this week's theme was, was love, last week was remain. Remain in me. Remain in me. I'll remain in you. You know, and it's just this continual idea of abiding in, continuing in, living in his love. Not just on Sundays, every single day. We have to remain in his love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, all of these things come right out of this passage we read. He says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It's not that we knew and relied on. We know and rely. We actively live with that reliance on this love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. When we read this, if you're not careful, you don't understand what I just told you about these pairs. When we think of the idea that those who live in love, so you mean if I just live kind of loving people and I'm just nice to people, that means I'm living in God? No, no. You have to live in the love of God that we're talking This, This love, this love of salvation, this love that has made us one with Christ, the love of God, that we're meant to remain in that love. Jesus himself said it. If you look with me in John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. So last week we looked at John 15, verses 1 through 8. If we just continue to the very next verse that we started last week, look what Jesus has to say to his followers. Just as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Some of you today are living a life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have made that decision. Man, you praise God, you know all the worship songs, but somewhere in your life you've stepped out of the bounds of what Jesus said here. He said, obey my commands to remain in my love. And you know there's parts of your life where you have compromised yourself, where you've stepped outside of the bounds of what God has commanded. And you've lived kind of with some of the guilt of that. And maybe you've even been able to compartmentalize that in your life. And now you're just living. And you know that that sin is a part of it. Can I just be real with you this morning? Is that okay? It doesn't matter if it's okay. I have the microphone. So I'm just going to keep going. Um, and so you stepped outside of it. And here's the problem, though. You're finding that your life doesn't feel the same. And, and some of you, you think God's mad at you because you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing and it doesn't please God. And here's what I want you to know. It's not as much that God's standing over you ready to hurt you or judge you or anything. It's that you've stepped out of the bounds of his love. You can't feel his love the way you felt it before. It's not because God has moved. It's because you have moved. It's not because God has abandoned you. It's because you have deserted what you know to be doing to remain in his love. And I want you to know today, you will not experience the fullness of his love unless you're remaining within the bounds of his word. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. And so for you today, if you're feeling dry on the inside, ask the Lord to search your heart and say, Lord, is there somewhere in me? And, and we got to get to that place again, church. We realize, man, I said that prayer, but am I living in his love? I've received it, but am I remaining in it? He said, this is how you could remain in it. This is how you can know. And you and God know alone where that is. And I would just tell you, don't let another moment go by. Make today the day where you come back and you abide in his love again, where you abandon the things that are holding you back and sidetracking you and just rest in his love again. Watch what it does for you. Watch how it fulfills you. Because I know that whatever it is you're chasing after will not fulfill you in the same way as the love of God. It won't. You got quiet today on me. We have to remain in it. 
The third thing is we, we must reflect this love. This love is meant to shine out from us. He said you're the light of the world that we are meant to shine this. But look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And it goes on to say a few verses later, This is how God's love is made complete in us and among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. This is how we know that as God's love is being perfected in us, as we are receiving his love, as we're remaining in his love, and now he says no one's ever seen God, but here's, here's the idea behind that. No one's ever seen God face to face, but if they see you and you've received his love and you're remaining in his love, they get to see his love on display. They get to see a reflection of his love. So when we talk to this, and I said it last week, and you tell people, and we, we use this language in church all the time, that, man, like, we're Jesus with skin on. When they see us, they see Jesus. They don't see a man from the first century walking around in sandals and wearing the clothes. They don't see that when they look at us. They see the heart of Jesus Christ. They see the love of God flowing through us, or at least they should, right? How often are we reflecting that love? And here's what I believe. I don't think that that's something you have to conjure up strength to do. And that I think it should be a natural byproduct of receiving and remaining in his love. But there are times that the enemy will come and circumstances will come. And there will be moments where you're going to want to respond in your flesh. That's why Paul said last week we read it. There's a war within you. In any moment, man, you could just kind of lose touch of that and just want to go after whatever. And so you have to continue to bring yourself under the lordship of Jesus. Continue to say, Lord, help me just to rest in your love and reflect it into others. So it says whenever they see us, they should see Jesus. They should see the love of God. We are like Jesus in this world. Jesus said to us what we should be like. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you would love one another. And by this, all men will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. He said, the way you love one another becomes a reflection on, of the world. So how we love each other reflects to them that the whole world can know you're followers of mine because there's something so unique. They look at it from afar and they say, no, 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 it's not that pair. It's not this love. No, 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 that's not that love either. There it is. Wow. That's that love that's in Christ. It's distinct. It's different. It's unique. You can't find it anywhere else. It only grows in the heart of a life that's submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that love is meant to be reflected. Finally, we must relay this love. We have to give this love away. Think of a relay race. Whenever you're running, you're extending it to others. You're reaching out so that others can receive that love from you through your life. Jesus said in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love one another just in the same way that I loved you. He goes on five verses later to repeat it. This is my command, love each other. And then 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, whenever we have been reading in this passage, what does he say? We love because he first loved us. We love others because he first loved us. He gave himself for us. So if I were to take this all, and Pastor Rick, you can come up at this time, and I were to just boil this down, 
into one idea, one thought for you to carry away that can capture all four of these points, all four of these ideas from this passage of Scripture. I want to give you something that I want you to internalize in your heart, and my prayer is that you will remember it for the rest of your life. Here it is. The love that flowed to you must flow through you. Okay? The love that flowed to you must flow through you. When we look at this and we look at what we've just talked about, I want you to know this will attribute for many of the things that are going on inside of you that you can't quite uh, comprehend. There might be an emptiness that's within you right now. You may feel like, I just feel like I'm not experiencing everything that God has for me today. You just may feel incomplete that something isn't, isn't quite as it should be within you. I want you to know you were designed in such a way as a believer in Jesus Christ that the love that flows to you has to flow through you. That's why there's such strong language here. That's why he says to those who say you love God and have the love of God, but you're not loving your neighbor, you're a liar, he said. You're a liar. It's not, there's not truth in that. It can't happen. It's incompatible. You can't receive this love and not give it away. And if you do and try to, something becomes dead inside of you. Let me illustrate this for you the best way that I know how. When you go to Israel, when I say when, because maybe all of you will go to Israel one day. When you go there, you can see up in the northernmost part of Israel. It's the Golan Heights. It's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon's talked about in the Bible. It's talking about the dew from Mount Hermon is like God's blessing being poured out on the earth. And it's in Mount Hermon. There are ski lodges and snow-capped peaks. And from there, all that melts and it turns into streams. And the streams are incredible spring water. It gives life. I mean, you see it. It's so beautiful. There are waterfalls everywhere. And then those waterfalls continue down into streams all through the wilderness and, and forest areas, collects in pools where people will swim. It's just amazing. You could just hike days up there. You spend your whole trip to Israel just in the Golan Heights, just take, checking out and taking all this nature in. From there, it then flows down and it collects in the Sea of Galilee. In the Sea of Galilee, another beautiful area, there's life all around it. There's, it's teeming with fish and life and there are people all around making their living yeah, as they were in Jesus' day as fishermen. It's there that Jesus walked on water. It's there in the Sea of Galilee that even still today, you can see so much beauty, so much life. The water that started on Mount Hermon flowed down to those natural springs, collected in this giant sea full of life, then goes into the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is a place where Jesus was baptized and where people today, as we're speaking, are being baptized right there in the Jordan River. And all around the Jordan Riverbed, you could just see beauty and life. And now there's all this agriculture, all this farming that's taking place right on the banks of the Jordan River. And it's being fed and there's, it's flourishing and growing continues down and it goes down and it collects in another really big body of water. And this is just as beautiful as the, as the Sea of Galilee when you look at the water and the color and you can just see and it's kind of breathtaking. But you don't see any farms and you don't see any fishing boats and you don't see anyone drinking the water without making the weirdest face. Just ask this guy, he drank some of it. Um, it's the bitterest water on planet Earth. Because this isn't the Sea of Galilee. That sea is the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the lowest body of water on earth. And everything that collects there, there are no fish because no fish could live there. You cannot drink the water. You cannot use it for farming. The only thing people use it for is beauty supplies 
because of the salt and all the minerals. But I want you to know minerals, as, as amazing and helpful as they are, they are really a sign and byproduct of death. Think about the mineral deposits, about death and decay creates minerals. It's just a sea of death and bitterness, saltiness. Whenever you have an open wound and you touch it, it hurts. I want you to know that every other place I described to you, the water flowed into it and the water flowed out of it. The reason why this is so dead is because there is no outlet for it. It has nowhere to flow to. It's become closed off. And in that place, it just becomes a bitter pool of death. And I'm painting a picture for you today because I believe with everything in me, this is what God's describing. That if you think for a moment that the love of God could flow into your life and does not flow out of your life, I want you to know inside of you, it just turns into bitterness. It just turns into death and decay. And, and I want you to know you will not experience everything that God has for you if the love that flowed to you can't flow through you. And I think that it's been made to do that. But what happens is that there are hurts and there, there are offenses and there are things within us that have closed us off. And we're not extending the love like we received the love. And Jesus says some really powerful things. And, I, and I've been reading this week and I couldn't stop looking at these passages about forgiveness. And I had to ask someone, I said, well, I'm talking about love. Why would I have to go over to forgiveness? And then I see it in 1 John 4. Forgiveness is the greatest act of God's love that he's ever made to us. Is he said, this is love that God sent his son to forgive us of our sins. So that's why when he says in Matthew 18, if you don't forgive others, your heavenly father can't forgive you because the love that flowed to you isn't flowing through you. And if it doesn't, it becomes death within you. I know that's strong, but it's the word of God. That's what he's teaching us. That you can't say you love God and not love your brother or your sister. You, you can't do that. You can't be forgiven by God and then not extend that forgiveness to others because that's a part of the love of God flowing through you. In your own self, you can't do it, but through the love of God, you can. And so today, here's what I believe that God wants to do. For someone today, God wants to open the doors of your heart to receive his love for the first time. You've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. And when you do that, there will be a flood of God's love that's just going to come and flow into your life. And everything that is dead is going to come alive. Everything that is broken is going to be made whole. Everything in you that you never imagined could ever be anything. You're going to feel something. And it's the love of God that's beyond your understanding. And it's going to flow into your life. And our prayer is here at this church, as long as you'll remain here, we're going to help you grow and be rooted in that love and become the fullness of what God has for you. But that moment begins right now surrendering your life to Jesus. Some of you, you stepped outside of those bounds and you know you have to come home and you just have to return to your first love. But others of us today, I think there's many of us today, all this dissatisfaction inside of your heart, all these things that you keep blaming on everything else, you've just heard, I believe the Holy Spirit's confirming it, it's been a love problem all along. The love that's flowed through you has gotten log jammed inside of you and it can't flow out. There's hurts you're holding on to. There are things that you're holding on to. There are things that people have said about you that you can't let go of. And because of that, it's causing a jam inside of you and it's damming up. And I want you to know that's why there's maybe bitterness in the waters right now. That's why you can't quite understand it, but you just feel so kind of miserable and angry because there's something stopping the love of God that flowed to you, flowing through you. And when that gets dealt with, I want you to know you're gonna feel just a rush of God's love. It's gonna be overwhelming and healing and restorative but today's the day to allow the Lord to minister to that area.
to set you free from that thing, whatever it might be. So think about those four areas. We have to receive his love. We have to remain in his love. We have to reflect his love and we have to relay his love. Where's God dealing with you today? Where's the problem? Which areas, are you not receiving his love today? Are you not relaying his love today? The love that flowed to you has to flow through you. So would you just stand to your feet, every person in this room right now? With your heads bowed in just this moment, I wanna pray for you. I'm just gonna bring up just the lights just to touch for me so I can see who I'm praying for. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I I do wanna know if you're here today and you've not yet received the love of God in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus and really made a decision to follow him. And if you're here today, I wanna pray for you, but I need to know that you're here and, and I need you to be willing to take a step and a stand and acknowledge your need for him. What I'm asking you to do is I'm going to ask you to repent, to turn away from your sins, to say, I'm done with my old life. I want what God has for me now. That you put your faith that Jesus died for your sins and he rose again and you commit your life to follow him. And if you're ready to do that, I want to pray for you. But I need to know that you're here. I'm going to say this prayer and I'm going to invite you if you want to really be included in that and you want to turn your life to Jesus, just let me know by waving at me right now. Just lift your hand if that's you. You say, I want to pray that prayer, Pastor. I see your hands. I see two hands on the main floor. I see hands going up around the balcony. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep your hand up for just a moment. That's my, I have an altar team around. I just want them to note who you are because I want to connect with you right after. That's also altar team. Would you just look and see whose hands are up right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to pray for you right now. And if this is you saying this prayer, say it from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. Today, I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. And today, I receive all of your love. And today, I begin to live my life in response to that love. And today... I commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we praise God with those that made that decision? Amen. If I could have some of my altar team go up, if anyone raised their hand, we we do want to connect with you. And if you wouldn't mind, just grab a card right in front of you. Check off on that card that you accepted Jesus. Hand it to one of them. I want to pray with you personally. I'd love to do that. For the rest of us today, I want to pray for you. And in the quietness of this moment right now, I'm just going to ask you right where you're seated, just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We always have people that will respond in this way whenever they, they accept Jesus. So just acknowledge your need for him. But I want to talk to those in the room that right now you're saying, I'm, I'm there, Pastor. The love that flowed to me has kind of stopped flowing through me. And I don't need to know your story or all those things. I just know that God has the power to set you free from it. I know God has the power to heal some deep wounds right now. And I could sit and listen to every single one of your stories, but I will tell you the same thing over and over and over again. God is able. God is able. God is able. And today, if you may not need to know how it's going to happen, but you do need God's intervention. You need God to come and do a miracle in the midst of your life because you don't want that bitterness anymore. You don't want whatever it is that God's doing in you and wants to bring into your life to be stopped and hindered because you haven't allowed that love to flow through you. And so maybe God's going to begin to speak to you as you surrender this to him right now. He's going to tell you who you need to talk to. or He's going to come in and just kind of ministry to the word, whatever it is. But you need to take the first step towards him. And the way you're going to do that today is just by lifting your hands. 
That's what I'm going to ask. If that's you and you need that today, say, Pastor, I hear the word of God. I'm responding to it. Just lift your hands right around this room. And what you're doing is you're just signifying to the Lord that you're just releasing this to him and you're inviting him to come in and to help you. Come on, just lift your hand if that's you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see the hands of your sons and of your daughters. And Lord, I pray right now that, Lord God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd flow into their lives afresh and anew, Lord God. I pray today, Lord God, that your people would begin to grasp Lord, the depths, Lord, that you went to for them, that they begin to grasp the incredible love that you have for them. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you come and you'd birth in their hearts, Lord God, just a deepness of the love that you have for them. Give them just an ability to see it and to recognize it. And in that moment, Lord, I pray you begin to soften their hearts. So there's pain. I can sense it on the hearts of your people. There have been deep offenses, deep betrayals, things that have happened, Lord God, that have just caused them to become so shut off, so restricted, Lord God. And I pray right now that, Lord God, you would just begin to minister to those areas, that you'd begin to even speak a word to them about what these next steps ahead of them might be. And I pray this week as they spend time, Lord, just remaining in your love, resting in it, Lord God, you'll begin to direct their steps. You'll begin to minister and heal areas of wounds and hurts, Lord God. You'll begin to release things in them that they didn't even know were there, Lord. We invite you in and we ask you to take us on that journey. And even now, Lord, I pray you deliver someone in this moment, Lord God, that they came in one way and they leave just feeling completely free. God, you are able to do abundantly more than we can ever hope, dream, or imagine. So we pray that over your people today. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to I wanna read one passage of scripture over you today as you're getting ready to go and take this. Take this and walk with it. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's like a, a reminder as you go. I don't mean to leave you on a, on a low note, but I really feel like I have to read it. I shouldn't end without reading it to you. I started today reading to you from Ephesians 3. And what Paul was praying, that they be rooted and established in that love. When you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, years later, the Lord is writing a letter to seven churches. And he's inscribing things to them, things that he needs them to know. And here's what it says in Revelation, chapter 2. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Uh-oh. The same church Paul wrote to. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know that you will not tolerate wicked people. You'll even test those who claim to be apostles and are not, and you find them false. You have persevered. You had endured hardships for my name. You have not grown weary, yet I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. And if you don't repent, you're in danger of me coming to remove your lampstand from its place. Church, may we never be found of that. May we never receive a word like this and go back to living the way that we always did. But let's turn back and get back to our first love again. And now for everyone as we go today, as just a form of dismissing you and blessing you as you go, I want to pray that we will recapture the heart of our first love in every way 
in every day. So let me pray that for you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the first love of our hearts and our lives. I thank you today, Lord God, for the fresh work that you've done in the lives of people that turned to you for the first time and for those that turned to you at some point in time. Lord, it may have been decades ago, but I pray right now, revive their first love today, Lord. Turn their hearts back to you, Lord God. May they feel the overflowing, overwhelming depths of your love flood into their lives afresh and anew. Lord, give them a renewed sense of passion, Lord, to be with you daily, to pray, to read your word. Lord, may it be like life to them in Jesus' name. I pray someone today, Lord God, they've been reading the word Sunday and doing it, but I pray that as they open your word in the weeks to come, it will be like that spring water I described from Mount Hermon. It will be refreshing. It will be life-giving. They'll feel a difference, Lord God as they rest in your love. So go with us today, Lord God, in that heart. Bring us back together to help us journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you as you go. God is good. We're thankful for this journey he has us on. Excited that we get to grow together. If you need prayer, some of our altar team and pastors will be up here in the back. If not, God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.